produced by the iLab at WBUR Boston. The universe has good news for the lost, lonely, and heartsick. Sugar is here, the both of us, speaking straight into your ears. I'm Cheryl Strayed. I'm Steve Almond. This is Dear Sugar Radio. Oh, dear son, won't you please share some bit of sweet days with me? Hi, Steve. Hi, Cheryl. So guess what we're going to talk about today? Um, uh, are we going to talk about evangelical manners? No. <laughs> are we going to talk about Puritan ethics? We're going to talk about pornography. Uh, I was close. Big, big topic that has yeah. become bigger in our lifetimes, mm-hmm. wouldn't you say? Absolutely. When's the first time you saw porn or interacted with porn? I remember finding a couple of Playboys in a abandoned building and uh, the cops, like, catching me and my friend. We were probably 11 or 12. The cops caught you? The cops caught the us. The first time you looked somebody at Playboy? Thought we, somebody thought we were arsonists. Oh, Steve. We were at, we were at best no incompetent masturbators. No wonder you're masturbators. so sexually confused. Well, there's Dude, that and it's a whole, that's a whole an other set building, of episodes. Right. A Playboy magazine and the cops. Right, and the cops arson. show up. Unbeknownst to the cop, this was a very happy day in my life. I was like, oh, I finally found the thing I always fantasized I would find. And that's maybe the point, is that back in the old days, the, the, the feathered 70s, porn, when you were a kid, was hard to come by. Yeah. It was not something that was out there in the ecosystem. It was something that was covert, hidden in closets, in abandoned buildings. You didn't. It wasn't something that was at your fingertips. Well, at the very least... I think a lot of people grew up in homes where the the father, you know, had his stacks of magazines hidden. Mm-hmm. The first time I saw porn, I didn't know it was porn because I was so young. I was like three or four. Wow. And my sister and I were playing in our garage. It was back when my parents were still married to each other. And we came upon these magazines and they weren't Playboy or Penthouse or Hustler. They oh. were they were something else. And once I grew up and I remembered those images. I knew that they were a kind of um, S&M imagery. There were uh, women who were chained in like cell, like jail cells with like guys kind of half-dressed like cops, and the women were naked. And wow. I, I mean, it's, it sounds funny now, but I remember as a kid looking wow, at it. Wow, how confusing as a kid. Yeah. Well, because it didn't, yeah, I didn't know what sex was. I didn't know so any of that. So I just thought, why are these men doing these terrible things to these women? Mm-hmm. And... I always felt really icky whenever I came upon porn, Mm -hmm. I have to say. I have a negative feeling about it. And, you know, that that feeling about it was something that was really challenged in more recent years when I started to be friends with people who were strippers and sex workers and who made pornography or Mm -hmm. who were saying, listen, you know, this is actually, I'm sex positive and this is actually what I want to do to make money. And, And everyone has a right to, you know, their... Desire, their sexual desires and right. the full expression of that. And so we are going to delve into the question of what is porn? Is there such a thing as ethical porn? How does porn 
hurt our relationships, how might porn help relationships, as we're going to ask all of these questions, mm-hmm. not just in this episode, but we're doing a two-parter on Wait, this t- topic. That's right. That's right. You know, I myself am still trying to figure it out. Yeah. What about I, your feeling? Do you, do you see porn as a positive in your life in the world? No, I don't. But along with that feeling of ickiness, because pornography is essentially still taboo and forbidden, and not just because it's about sex, but because it's about power, and, um, and it's about a certain kind of dominance and shame, okay? Largely directed at women, but just in general. Uh, and it's about taking something that's intimate and deeply personal and making it impersonal, something that's really emotional and making it essentially very unemotional in a way, almost um, limbic. It's mm-hmm. gymnastic at a certain point. It's kind of of the glands, not of the heart. So the writer Sensitivo in me says, ugh. And the horny dude in me says, ooh. And those two selves collide within me all the time. Mm-hmm. Porn in the age of the internet is anonymous. It's moved into our private lives. It's moved into our homes. It has started to infiltrate relationships more and more deeply. That's why we wanted to do these episodes, because we get so many letters That's right. from people who are essentially saying, there's another person or there's another thing in our relationship, yeah. and it's pornography. Yeah. The, the only porn, I, 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 I don't call this porn, the only kind of thing I use, and it's story storytelling device outside my own actual, you know, things I do sexually with my husband, yeah. would be like erotic books, mm-hmm. you know, like collections of sex stories by mm-hmm. women. You know, there I have a handful of them. Just by women. There's always a... You sexist. Yeah, no, okay. never by men. I'm okay. just not Thank interested you. in hearing the fantasies of men. We, we live in a world... Hold on. <laughs> Let's just go ahead because it's now on the record. Quote, unquote, I'm just not interested in, in the hearing fa- the fantasies well, of men. Cheryl I mean, Strayed, 2016. The whole culture okay. is like a male fantasy. No, right? you're right. We say that all the time. I got you. But, you know, these, it, there is a kind of whole genre that's like erotic stories for women. And they're really, really raunchy, dirty stories inside. Right. And they don't all have... The people having sex aren't emotionally connected. It's you know the it's the kind of like the the, the pool boy comes to clean out the pool and cleans out a couple other things, you know <laughs> that sort of thing. And I don't think of that as porn, right? Because it's words on the page. It's not visual. I'm not at all attracted to visual like mm-hmm. pictures or movies. I, I have no interaction, and that's what I think of as pornography. I'd be really curious to know what you think, and then later on this episode we're going to be talking. We're going to have a wonderful guest who's got a lot of insight about this. But I'm curious, and our listeners too, you know, what is porn? Mm -hmm. Am I right that erotic stories are not technically the kind of porn we're talking about? And is there a difference between watching like you watched on the internet to real people having sex with each other versus reading a story about people having sex with each other? Well, pornography, especially as it has become stripped from narrative, It's about a fantasy of men being powerful and dominant, women being eager for all kinds of different sex. You know, there's no porn that's like, hey, take a look at we've been married 20 years and we have three kids sex. Okay, (laughs) there's no porn channel on you, you know, you porn or whatever that's going to show you that. But the point is that. The very particular things that I go looking for have to do with the fantasy of instantaneous desire Mm. and a real sense of power, dominance, and instant gratification that is completely unlike what actual 
sex is in a long, for the most part, in a long-term relationship where you're coming into that sexual setting with so many dynamics. Mm -hmm. And for me, what I think a lot about, and especially as we talk about, start to talk about the letters is, what does porn mean to people? How does it make them feel? Why do they go to it? So let's, uh, let's hear what it means to our first letter writer. He writes, Dear Sugars, is it bad to masturbate to online porn? I am a happily married man in my mid-50s and have been married for 15 years to a wonderful woman. We have a satisfying sex life, having sex approximately once every week. However, I go online to masturbate to porn about three times a week. I work from home and find that I become sexually turned on during the working day. I look at masturbation as a healthy release. Viewing online porn allows me to accomplish the quote-unquote task more quickly and get back to work. That other purveyor of personal wisdom, Dr. Phil, advises that watching porn is an immoral betrayal of a marital partner and advises us that the women in porn videos are likely to have been abused as children and are being exploited. I have a teenage daughter and avoid videos of young girls preferring age-appropriate subjects in the so-called mature category. I also avoid watching porn up to 24 hours before I'm likely to have a date with my wife in order to be able to enjoy and contribute to our sex together. My wife knows that I look at porn. While we don't discuss it, she doesn't feel that it is a betrayal of her. I look at viewing porn as an extension of masturbation, which I believe is healthy and a necessary release, one that is as private as going to the bathroom. If not for porn, I would still masturbate. I doubt Dr. Phil believes that masturbation is immoral. Is masturbating while fantasizing about someone beside my wife immoral? Assuming that online porn is the problem, is it possible that you can make distinctions? I know that many of the women on porn sites are probably psychologically damaged in some way, and that the pornography industry may be contributing to that damage. On the other hand, is it possible that accepting money for video sex is not always exploitative? Is it possible that some of the women who perform in online sex videos do it out of a healthy appreciation of sex, signed, troubled by porn? Ugh, I think this one is, you know, obviously one man wrote it, but I think a lot of our listeners, both men and women, can relate to this. Either they're partners with somebody who, who masturbates to online porn or they themselves masturbate to online porn. Mm -hmm. Look, I could have written this letter. Right. Some of the details would be different, but I could have written this letter. And I felt a great sense of a kind of sympathy for this guy trying to figure out the same questions I struggle with when I bother to even struggle with them, which is, am I complicit in something that is very clearly against my moral code and in what ways and what are my other alternatives? And, you know, I think he's he is in a what I would call a productive state of bewilderment. And I think most of the men of conscience in the culture who, you know, who consume porn in one way or another either are suppressing these set of questions or struggling with them. Mm -hmm. So what have you come up with in your own life, Steve? Okay, well, I've come up with the basic fundamental answer. Look, this is like uh, football or like meat or like fossil fuels. The porn industry is essentially exploitative, but also that because I have a libido that operates differently than my wife— 
I feel the need sometimes I get horny and I want relief. And I lament that I no longer sit there and do the imaginative work of thinking about that. And I think anybody who's listened to the show or knows me at all knows I think my wife is the sexiest person walking the planet. And I would love to be with her whenever she wants that too. But that is not the nature of our lives in, a, in you know, uh, uh, right now. And it's not the nature of how her body operates. So I'm left with this surplus of horniness, basically. Mm-hmm. And I'm really sympathetic to this guy because now, I don't want to say that he's some national hero, but there are a lot of people who aren't even grappling with the ways in which pornography is an ethical concern because, frankly, People don't want porn served with a side dish of ethics. That's not what it's about. It's the opposite of that. Right. Well, you know, it's been really interesting to talk about Mm -hmm. this from a personal perspective. Mm -hmm. But I think it's time for us to invite in our guest who's actually in the studio with us. And she's an expert in the field. She's done some research. She knows what she's talking about. She can do more than tell us about the pornographic magazine she found in abandoned buildings, Mm -hmm. right? And the pool boys about whom she's fantasized. Her name is Wendy Maltz. She is a sex therapist and clinical social worker and co-author of the book, The Porn Trap, The Essential Guide to Overcoming Problems Caused by Pornography. Mm -hmm. Welcome to Dear Sugar Radio, Wendy. Oh, well, thank you for having me here. It's wonderful to be here, too, in person with you. Mm -hmm. Oh, thank you. Well, we have been discussing this letter, Troubled by Porn. Did you get a chance to read it? Yes, I did. And as we, you know, we talked about what a common situation this is. A lot of men you know, do feel guilty about using porn. And I'm curious what what you make of this letter and what your experience tells you about men and their relationship to pornography. Mm-hmm. Well, I really um, have a lot of respect for the man who wrote this letter. He's really thinking about it. Yep. He's trying to figure it out. Uh, you know, is this something he is comfortable with doing? Is it not? He doesn't have the kind of secrecy and shame piece going on that, you know, a lot of people have with it. He says his wife knows about it. It's out in the open. But there's something happening. He's in his mid-50s. He's starting to question it. Is it really just Dr. Phil? Right. You know, (laughs) if he was here, I'd want to say, let's see, if you didn't hear Dr. Phil say that it's not a good thing to do in a marriage, you know, would you feel better about it? Mm-hmm. I mean, there were all these questions that came up that if he came into my office and yeah. wanted to explore, probably one of the first places that I would start in talking with him would be, do you want to explore this further? I can't say this is a good thing or a bad thing for you. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's so, like, it, it's so personal. You you were saying that, Steve, you know, like people have to decide and really figure out what does this mean to me? Mm-hmm. What is it doing to me? Where's it taking me? Yeah. What do you mean when you say, where's it taking me? In the context, you know, here's this man, he's happily married. He says he's mm-hmm. happily married. When you say, where's it taking me, do you, do you mean to suggest that in some ways his porn use could be sort of robbing his marriage of a sort of intimacy that it would have if he, if he didn't use it? Yeah. Well, porn is a very powerful product. It's mm-hmm. like nothing we've ever seen before, yeah. you know. And so it is a conditioning process. So we can become more conditioned to it. It can become a stronger habit. You know, what we practice, we get good at. Our sexual arousal response gets patterned Mm -hmm. to particular cues and those cues can be the images in porn 
or they can be the smell of a lover's neck, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> which happens to be my favorite. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, you know, I, I mean, images are very powerful, and it could be affecting the intimacy ha- he has with his wife mm-hmm. in ways he's not even aware of, that he never sat down to really think about, like... Is this getting rid of more spontaneous sex they might have if he wasn't channeling? If he his... hadn't just masturbated that morning. Yeah. He says he doesn't masturbate 24 hours before right. they know they're yeah. going to go on a date. But, but yeah, I did wonder about that myself. What about the the chance, you know, his wife comes home and she's, she's like, hey. Yeah. And he's thinking, well, I just watched that movie. Yeah. Uh-huh. Or just any, also or the clip. energy she yeah, picks yeah. up yeah. in yeah. him. Mm-hmm. She can pick up energy and be kind of a little turned off to the man if they sense that he masturbated that day or recently hmm. um, to pornography. Because, hmm. you know, he says it's not an issue, but they're not really talking about it. Bingo. That, 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 there yeah. were two things about this that were very striking, and I wondered whether you've experienced this in talking with people. There's a kind of don't ask, don't tell. Mm-hmm. I think pornography, predominantly for men, is a little secret cavern. It's a little place they go, and even if they're in happy, otherwise deeply communicative relationships, as it seems this guy is, the one thing that's clear is, while we don't discuss it, she doesn't seem to mind, doesn't sound like we've really discussed it and here are her feelings about yeah. it. In other words, And she's knows, jazzed about it. She thinks it's a cool thing I do and she joins me sometimes. We're or, not hearing or even, that. Or even, I get it, our bodies operate differently, our libidos operate mm-hmm. differently, do your thing, I don't want to know about it. Well, and that's a question I have, Wendy, that mm-hmm. you know, part of my response to this letter is there's nothing wrong. Yeah. You know, that, that this guy wants to have an orgasm about four times a week. He has them one time with his wife. You know, presumably if his wife wanted to have sex more, she would be making advances you know, towards him. I, I, who knows, but we can presume this. Right. Um, and he just has, you know, like you described with Yonera, he, he just has a different sex drive than she does. Mm-hmm. And so he just takes care of himself. Right. And he doesn't need to tell his wife, okay, I watched, you know, this person doing this on online today and masturbated. Right. I mean, there is such thing as privacy, even when you're married to somebody, right? Yeah. So, I mean, why, why is this, is this inherently, you know, a bad setup? Or are you, Wendy, thinking, well, clearly because he's asking these questions, he's not entirely comfortable with it that that's really the only thing going on there is that he's signed it troubled by porn Uh um it's not you know from a clinical perspective we're not talking about somebody who is disassociated who doesn't know what they're doing who uh has it as instead of a good sex life but there's something going on for him Mm -hmm. and one of the things i wonder about troubled by porn is what's going on in that he's doing this at work a lot is it not just a matter of having excess sexual energy but has sexual release come up as a way of dealing with stress Mm -hmm. of what's happening uh, with work maybe not feeling as productive as he'd like to be or not feeling as recognized in his field as he'd like to be Mm -hmm. or getting that deal or whatever and so has it become a way that he self-soothes and if so is that at the expense of learning other ways to take care of himself or how to reach out 
to a real person and say, oh, gosh, or his wife, you know, I had a hard day at work, or call his wife, or call a friend, or go for a run, or whatever. Mm -hmm. You know, there's this possibility of sex becoming the answer Mm-hmm. and something he has to do pr- to prove his masculinity. Mm-hmm. It becomes like a compulsion. A compulsion. The other thing is his age. Being a man in his mid-50s, it can take a little longer to get sexually aroused. The erections aren't as firm. Mm-hmm. You know, sex can become a little bit more... Uh, laborious. Uh, laborious mm-hmm. or whatever in terms of functioning. But that... And under usual circumstance, that, that's offset by really good communication with a right. partner you've been with for years and you kind of know what turns each other on. You know, there's. Or just a sense of humor that it doesn't oh, have. Yes. That sex doesn't have to be a performance, that real sex can sometimes be. Uh, and it doesn't always have to equal orgasm, right? It's it's an, it's a you know that sensual exchange of pleasure mm-hmm. and communication, right? And there's this wonderful growth that a couple can have. I've been married for nearly forty years now, hmm. and um, had a very wild youth. You know, I had a rough a rough beginning there as a sexual person uh-huh. myself, and. Um, my husband Larry and I met in Berkeley in the 70s when things were going wild and mm-hmm. would go to the Mitchell Brothers studios and watch the porn movies and things like this, wow. like our peers were yeah. doing. That's where you had to go if you wanted to see a porn right. movie back then. But, uh, you know, I've also experienced what it's like to be in a long-term relationship where you don't have a heavy influence of porn and where you can really... Work with your partner and learn with your partner and grow with your partner sexually. Mm-hmm. It's one of the things I think is really sad and what a lot of couples are missing out on yeah. is that growth. Yeah. And when they're lo- when you're locked in your, um, I remember go- going through a period where Larry and I would watch some of the movies when they'd come out, some of the DVDs and things like this, and it definitely was so powerful as a stimulant, but. There was this sort of that yick feeling or yuck feeling yeah. afterwards, sort of like, yeah. ah, wow, that was powerful, but yeah. I don't even know if I feel satisfied. It's, yeah. the, it's, it's still the, ringing in my head. That's you know? right. It's, it's the fast food of sexuality. Yeah. It's really about a kind of quick hit that isn't sustaining because it's not predicated on an emotional connection. But it turns out that's complicated. I mean, I was thinking yeah. as I was reading this, like, okay. So if you talked with Wendy or you just decided, I'm unsettled by this, there is the possibility that you would say to your wife, and this is not an easy conversation and maybe one that takes mm-hmm. place with a sex therapist or, you know, I feel greater desire and I want it to be towards you and I don't want to sneak off and do this thing because I'm starting to feel ashamed of it for reasons that are very real and valid, but also because whatever I'm looking for, whatever porn means to me, whatever that feeling I get, I don't want it to be alone and solitary. I want to have an experience with you. It doesn't, I mean, this is the thing is, as I'm sure you talk with clients about, mm-hmm. you've reached a moment where you have to say, what is the meaning of porn for me? Yeah. And if I'm unsettled, do I need to start having a, a difficult but necessary discussion with my wife to say I want to find a better balance? And when a person reaches that point, another thing can be kind of lurking in the uh, shadows, which mm. is, oh, my goodness, if I wanted to stop, 
Could Would I? I? Could I? Yeah. Would I even be able to? Mm-hmm. Or, oh my God, you know, how laborious masturbating would be without mm-hmm. porn. I right. don't even know if I could still do it. Mm-hmm. You know, I think we should continue talking yeah, about Troubled it. by Porn's letter, but, but we also have another letter. Mm-hmm. And uh, let me read it. Dear Sugars, I'm writing to you because I need advice on a taboo subject I never thought I'd need advice about. Porn. I'm a woman in my late 20s and could count the number of porn scenes I've watched in my lifetime on one hand. I don't get turned on by it, and I suppose I judge its impact on relationships and its stereotypical abuse by men. My on-and-off boyfriend of three years uses porn and has been open about it in the past, but I thought his use stopped after we got back together. Maybe a year ago, there was one evening when he encouraged me to take the dog for a walk so he could engage in, quote, man activities. I was appalled. Cue fight. His defense? All men do it. It's natural, and I should get over it. Somehow, we got past that fight. Now, a year later, I've moved away from a beautiful city, great job, and wonderful friends to a new big city to be with him. We wanted to be together, and the move was seamless, as if it was meant to be. I should mention that we do have a great relationship and a great sex life. But after two weeks of living together, I walked in the door. He said, dang it. His explanation was that he was about to engage in man stuff. Seriously? But I just walked in the door. Why don't we engage in couple stuff? Why would my coming home be a bad thing? We can enjoy each other. I was irate. Again, cue the fight. His defense? All men do it. It's not personal. It means nothing. It doesn't diminish our sexual relationship. It's natural and it's my problem. He's not helping me feel differently about it at all. Sugars, what do I do? I love him, but I can't share my bed with porn. I can't feel adored and accepted by him when I now know he needs these images of other women in his life. I don't know how deep this goes, but is he really picking porn over a great relationship? Help me, Sugars. What do I do? Signed, Scorned and Spawned. Yeah, I think here, you know, just like Troubled by Porn seemed like a very common scenario for, for men. Yep. This one, I have to say, at least women involved in heterosexual relationships. You know, so many women I know, we've asked this question. Should I be jealous of porn? Should yep. I expect my partner not to use porn? I still haven't figured out this the, the answer to my own personal question. Mm-hmm. What, what, Wendy, can you, I mean, I'm sure a lot of people, you talk to a lot of people who, a lot of couples, right, who are... Facing this kind of question. Well, I see this as a very different situation than trouble by porn. You have things out in the open. You've got, you know, a relationship where the, uh, the trouble by porn man really respected his wife and his daughter. And he's worried about the female actresses and porn and all. Mm-hmm. This is a situation where you have this betrayal of intimacy and trust. He's actually said he was preferring to be with porn than to be with her. But she's in crisis. What do I do? I love this guy. We've moved in together. Should I stay with him? Should I get out? Is there hope for us? And should I be bothered by it? She obviously is bothered by it. And I think for some very good reasons. It kind of reminds me a bit of if you discover that your partner's a cocaine addict, you Mm -hmm. know, 
or a uh, alcoholic, you know, and they're saying, oh, it's no big deal. What are you getting so uptight about or whatever? Or I'm just having a drink here or there or a snort here or there. Mm -hmm. Um, And so there's this sense of where you recognize your partner's doing something that's harmful to you or the relationship, and the partner the porn user is not seeing it as yeah. a problem. In fact, he's angry. He's pushing her away, which are responses of people who are, you know, triggered in shame. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Contempt, irritability, right. anger. Those are all kind of shame right. reactions. It's your problem, not mine. Yeah. This, this is the piece of it that is, that is always the most confusing to me is I do think that this boyfriend is being very inconsiderate and, and not taking his girlfriend's feeling seriously and Mm -hmm. uh, you know so i i don't i'm not going to back him up on that but he isn't totally incorrect in saying listen this is natural normal and all men do it you know steve does it and and, i mean my husband probably does it and you know i think that he also is saying something honest to his girlfriend when Mm -hmm. he's defending it on the grounds of like this is normal okay so i can agree with that but i also think that when he says it means nothing that's bullshit I think it does mean something. It means, like a lot of men, myself included, for whatever set of reasons, there are moments where I will say, I'm going to choose to do this because either couple stuff isn't available to me or couple stuff, it's too complicated. It's too inconvenient. It's too laborious. And I just want to have a bioemission with this fantasy of sex. That's what he means by nothing. He's like, I'm just getting off. Right. I think, but I agree with you. It's not nothing, but it that's right. what he means. Okay, he I think that's right. But I think that she's saying, wait a second, is there this part of your sexuality that I have no role in and, and can't participate in and, in fact, is taking you in, in certain ways away from me? Because she now feels that porn is literally in their bed. And my point would be that they've got to try to find a way to say, look, this isn't going to go away. We need to talk about what porn means to you and your use of it and what it means to me. And we have to try to figure, you know, bring it into the light. Otherwise, he's going to say, you're being uptight and, you know, I'm going to keep driving you away. And she's going to say, I'm grossed out by you and I'm out of here. Yeah. She needs to know her limits. What can she deal with? Right. And to, you know, get clear on that, because he may, a lot of people who are involved compulsively or addictively with something, they they don't see the, it as a problem, and they'll lie about it in order to maintain it. And one of the things to look at, too, is how much even just the three of us can automatically uh, confuse masturbation with watching Yep. using pornography yep. as if it pornography use to have an orgasm has become today's masturbation right and they're different in my work as a counselor a lot of the female partners when the when it was a male porn user were not really upset by the idea of masturbation mm-hmm. honey i thought about our the love making we had and i had a great orgasm yeah yeah and they're excited you know yeah. and they're going like that cool honey or you know a lot of couples they've integrated healthy kind of um self solitary sex mm-hmm. and it's not an issue it doesn't conflict pornography for a woman, is a competitor. Right, a It's another rival. Mm-hmm. female's body. And this is different than, like, erotic stories. Right, the pool boy. Which is like, yeah. yeah and, or, it's, and it's not looking at somebody else's body. It's just a story. Right, it's integrated somehow or woven in yeah. 
with it doesn't conflict. Right. But if it's sort of like, oh, I'm into really buff women who exercise a lot, and that's what I jerk off to, mm-hmm. and you know, the wife is not in that place, you know. Where right, the, and, and, the, and the wife can't compete. And right. she can't nope. compete with it. Yeah, I would suggest to Scorned and Sporned that, that you enlist the help of a therapist because I do think that you guys are on such opposite ends of this conversation and, and really you're, you're, you think about porn in such profoundly different ways that it will be helpful to have a, a neutral and, and informed third party who can help you guys negotiate some positive terms or to really maybe come to the truth that, you, that you're not meant to be together. Yeah, and I was reminded when I read, you know, her letter was um, of a quote by a psychiatrist from the early 1900s, Harry Stack Sullivan. Mm. And he said... When the satisfaction or security of another person becomes as significant to one as one's own satisfaction or security, then the state of love exists. Mm -hmm. And he goes on to say, under no other circumstances. Mm, That's beautiful. And this is what's lost here, sadly, in Mm. this relationship. Her satisfaction and security is threatened and... The partner is he's not loving in his response. That's right. Yeah. Wendy, those are wise words and scorned and sporned. I hope you listen really, really hard to those words because um, and I think this applies just to all of our listeners, whether whether that that problem in your relationship is pornography or something else. If, if your partner doesn't care about your satisfaction and security as much as he or she cares about his or her own, that's something to really pay attention to. Mm-hmm. And that change needs to be made when that's the case. Thank you so much, Wendy, for joining us. It was really wonderful to have you. Yeah, pleasure what a to be pleasure. Here. Absolutely, yeah. Support for Dear Sugars comes from BetterHelp. If you had an extra hour in the day, how would you use it? BetterHelp Online Therapy can help you figure out what's most important to you so you can prioritize it. Learn to make time for what makes you happy. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Visit BetterHelp.com sugars today to get 10% off your first month. The world's clean energy future relies on ancient elements still in the ground. Without mining, there will not be a clean energy transition. But pulling them out of the ground comes at an environmental and human cost. Mining is intrusive, but the results are the building blocks for products that we use every single day. I'm Meghna Chakrabarty. Join me on point for Elements of Energy, Mining for a Green Future, five special episodes. Listen and follow On Point wherever you get your podcasts. So, Steve. Yes. Wow. You know, I'm, I'm always learning about this subject. I think par- part of it is that because it has changed so much in our lifetimes, mm-hmm. I never thought that it would become such a big thing in, in so many people's personal lives. In my, you know, even thinking about my parenting, talking to my kids about it. Yeah negotiating that with my husband. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that's the reason we're doing two episodes on right. it. We could do three or four. It's, right. it's a big, complicated issue. W- what I think is so fascinating is that it's a kind of imaginative 
and an emotional failure. That's what I feel when I go to porn. It satisfies me in a kind of visceral, short-term, physical way, but that's not what I'm really deeply after. And scorned and porn you know, really should be asking at the bottom of it, is that the biggest turn-on for my guy? Is that the thing that he really most deeply wants? So next week, we're going to delve into the question of what happens when the answer is yes. Somebody is really choosing porn over and over again in ways that are destructive to his relationship, himself, and um, really does become an addiction. So please listen in next week uh, for more on porn. For now, we need to tell you that Dear Sugar Radio is produced by WBUR in Boston. We're produced and edited by Amory Sievertson. We're recording at Talkback Sound and Visual in Portland, Oregon, not Portland, Oregon. It is so often maligned. It's Portland, Oregon. Josh Millman is our engineer. Our theme music is by the Portland band Wonderly. Vocals by Liz Weiss. And please subscribe to Dear Sugar on iTunes or your favorite podcast app. And follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Dear Sugar Radio. And of course, Write us letters. We can't wait to hear from you. Dear Sugar Radio at gmail.com is the address. 